Ahoy, fellow Titans. And welcome aboard the Joy of Trek, an evil-shedding podcast exploring the shuttlecrafts and surfaces of uninhabitable planets of Star Trek. All, all of it. it. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And out relining the dilithium crystals is your chief engineer, Greg. And together we're on a mission through the oil slicks of Star Trek to find the dazzling beauty in every shroud and the excellence in every episode. Even the Lost Visors. Because every episode must be someone's favorite, and it might as well be us. So reticular stimulate your Mia Sharma wrist lock directly <laughs> and join us as we shed our skin of evil into the, the joy, joy of, of Trek. Trek. Oh, well done, well, thank you. <laughs> I hope the listeners of home were able to guess which episode of Star Trek we're doing this week. Yes, and for those who haven't, it is Next Generation episode 1, 2, 3. Yes. State of Evil. The, I think it's the second to last of the first season. I think there were three. Ooh, the actress who plays uh, Yar. Denise was, Crosby. Yeah, she was actually credited for more than one episode after she left the cast. Oh, as a, uh, as a recurring... For, right, for the rest of the season, yeah. They didn't uh, change the credits. Right, right, okay. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, she uh, did famously come back. Oh well, as her sister, half sister, and well, and then the uh, sh- and the shadow uh, episode. Uh, sorry, the shadow uh, uh, universe episode. Yes, yes. Right. There's an older universe enterprise. Yesterday's uh, enterprise where she uh, returned, and as her daughter. Oh, as her daughter. I thought it was her, her half Romulan oh, uh, right. daughter, Sila. Yeah, whom uh, a lot of us had hoped would make a reappearance in Star Trek Picard. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. not yet. Alas. First aired on April twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight. Written by Joseph Stefan, directed by Joseph L. Scanlan, and guest starring Walter Boone as Leland T. Lynch. Leland T. Lynch, uh, Brad, who Brad famously says his whole name every, every time. time. Yes, Brad Zerbs <laughs> as a nurse and Raymond uh, for, uh, Fortune as Ben Pietro, who later went on, among other things, to play O.J. Simpson in American Tragedy. Oh. He is, uh, he is a lieutenant slumped over the console the entire time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> who in the subtitles is known as Ben. Like, apparently he was very, right, uh, yes. very popular. And in Skin of Evil, an evil, tar-like creature holds Troy hostage on an alien world. During the rescue mission, one of the Enterprise's senior staff is killed. Yes, this yes. <laughs> famously the death of Tasha Yar, mm. coinciding with the departure of Denise Crosby. Right, well, she was bored with her role, basically. Uh, yes, I believe at one point she'd asked whether they could make a life cast over her legs. Because that was all that was uh, shown, yes. <laughs> yeah, because any time there's a close-up of Picard sitting on the bridge, you'd have Tasha Yar's legs sticking out from under the horseshoe, but the rest of her generally didn't get a lot to do. Yeah, she uh, expressed that if Mortian G scripts had provided parts for her that were as strong as this episode, she would never have asked to leave the series. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, that's... Uh... Oh, I remember an interaction... Let me see, on Twitter some years ago between Rick Berman and Denise Crosby. Mm-hmm. And he was showing off a communicator pin that he was given to uh, Denise Crosby on a particular episode and that he'd always treasured it and still keeps it on his desk to this day. And then Denise Crosby, let me see if I can recite this tweet from memory, says, Oh, friend, don't you remember? It was actually not that episode. It was another episode, which we actually filmed last. And after we finished, you walked up to me, ripped it from my chest, and told me to my face, well, you won't be needing that anymore. <laughs> Damn. Shots fired. But yes, uh, there was actually a episode uh, filmed after this one, which was aired earlier than Right. Uh, so, uh, yes. The first time... I think that a major character that like a regular uh, yes. character on Star Trek. Duh. No, hold on. 
<laughs> I say that. The Wrath of Khan obviously had happened previously, right. and Spock died. Yes, but he came back. This was the first time that when she didn't come back. Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, well, it was not But then she sort of did, didn't she? Yeah, but that's, like, well, yes, kind of. <laughs> uh, but it's not her. It's, it's like Mirror Universe, her. So we got this recommended by our friend Mark Nixon who runs the podcast Shadows at the Door. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, a, a podcast about pleasing terrors, about a particular style of ghost stories mm-hmm. and, and, and horror that are all about, like, very, very atmospheric. Sometimes they're terrifying, sometimes they're high stakes, sometimes they're creepy. It's a really interesting vibe. And Mark says, this was one of my earliest experiences of horror and ultimately proved formative in the development of my tastes and values as a storyteller. At that age, I saw Riker as the coolest, bravest guy I had ever seen and to see him being helplessly dragged by some invisible force while screaming for help? Chilling stuff indeed. Plus, Picard gets to really Picard in a season that gave their captain less opportunities to be a hero in the way that Kirk did. Mm, yes. I mean, at least they did the whole thing that it wasn't always, like, the three senior officers going over on the away missions and leaving the rest. Yes. I mean, at least, yes, Picard, he runs the ship. It's always Riker who gets sent on away missions. Yep. That's how the next generation was designed to counter that particular criticism of the original series. Yeah. So do you have any do you have any warp cores to breach? Oh, uh, a small one. Okay. Oh. No, not that one. I say we eject the warp core. <laughs> yes. Well, it's a um a crew member... Leland T. Lynch. Lieutenant Leland, Commander yeah, Leland, Leland T. Lynch. Lynch. Who gets his little Scotty moment, kind of, in a way, when uh, right at the beginning, the dilithium crystals are being realigned, and Picard says, like... There is an emergency. We need warp drive. How long? And he goes, 20 minutes, and do it faster. And like... I'll align it by hand. Whatever it takes. Aye, sir. Well, because manually is, is manually faster is faster. Than, yes. Okay, I guess. <laughs> So and that, and skipping he, all the checks. That's, that is the good part about that. Like, he does say, like, okay, yeah, fired up. And the computer goes, like, oh, we should run the checks first. And, like, yeah, I know, but we're not going to do that because we're in a hurry. So that is actually a, a correct way, I suppose, of, of portraying something like this. Is he's yep. just taking the risk. He knows he's done it right. He trusts himself. And, okay, we'll just, like, fire up the injectors matter to, and to, to matter ratio 25 to 1, which, oh, yeah, that could be another little warp core breach. Why? Why would you, like, have a higher... uh, Actually, this comes back in an episode later where Wesley takes the exam for going into Starfleet. Whoa. Where one of the questions is calculate the matter-to-antimatter ratio for blah, 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 complicated. And it's like the other aliens, it's a trick question. The ratio is always one-to-one. Okay, how do you know this? (laughs) No, okay, I'm I'm astonished. How do you... Know this? That's amazing. <laughs> so yes, that's like sure. I thought your brain was all occupied with lots of practical shit, like like you know tanning is... leather and, and 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 whittling and all your various techniques for making beer. Right. Well, no stuff like this. This is a bit crazy. You hearing this? This is amazing. Okay. The only nitpicky thing I would say is it's a couple episodes before this one, so it's TNG one eighteen coming of age. So it's not in the Academy, but that's very, very nitpicky considering you got the line exactly right. Okay, well done. <laughs> I've never been so proud of you in my life. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I think that is about it. 
Uh, I guess that's not really a warp core breach, but it's like when the... Okay, okay, okay. Yeah? I've been thinking about this. Sometimes you get really excited about how many warp cores you're dumping. Yeah. Which is, I think, slightly in violation of the tenets of the joy of Trek. And I've gotten like less into the habit of like paying attention to it, which is also like going against the tenets because then I'm not like being reasonably critical. So here's what I'm thinking, that we have to have a certain ratio... <laughs> Of warp cores. Okay. Or maybe, like, you can have one more than I do. Okay. Which also places the onus on me. So you can have one more if I can come up with one more. (laughs) All right? Yeah, all right. So let's see if I can do anything. Well, actually, mine's related to yours. And it's about, like, exceeding warp. Because Picard, here's the, yeah, yeah. the engineering has given... Okay, we've given... We've, minimal we've done warp. everything. We've got minimal warp. Warp it. I said minimal warp. Yeah, you heard the order. Yeah. No discussion about no. the potential ramifications, no. the, the risks that are being run. Because it's a, as, as Scotty at one point points out, it's a radiological catastrophe waiting to happen, is yeah. what a warp core is. No, t- totally. Oh. Okay. Well, Okay. So you can have one more. All right. Now. Well, okay. Like I said, like, it's not really warp core bleach. It's more of a weird weirdness thing. It's when uh, Troy and Picard are having their conversation in the shuttlecraft, mm-hmm. and they kind of like basically spell out the plan to deal with him. What makes them think that he's not listening? Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, it's television, right? I don't know, right. I mean, maybe it goes back to the proud tradition of that Farscape would later uh, uh, get where <laughs> loudly whispering about your plans right in front of the people that involve them is like clearly not a. Uh, yeah, it's how we do things. But hey, let's dive into the episode. Yep, bring it on. So we start off without warp. The Enterprise is cruising along at impulse, heading to rendezvous with a shuttlecraft that's carrying Councillor Troy, who's been off to some symposium or a conference. Yes. Chief, I'm not going to make you do this count, but do we have a count of an idea of just how many times somebody takes a shuttle to a conference at the start of an episode and therefore gets in trouble? At least one more, which where Georgie does that. And yep. One mm. with Jean-Luc and I think Worf. It happens so often. Those conferences are death traps. Or at least the journeys. The travel to and from them is. Yeah. Yeah, people get lost. But apparently in three days' time, there is going to be the Enterprise MMA competition. Yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. Enterprise cage fight. I know, right? <laughs> Which uh, Worf is discussing with Yar. I will be if you'll meet me on the holodeck later. I need your help with the Mishiyama wrist lock and break. If it works on you, I can use it on anyone. A valid assumption. And also that she is favored in the ship's pool. And she goes, Worf, you bet on me? (laughs) Yes, of course, it's a sure thing. (laughs) And then there's an exchange of, like, twinkling smiles and sighs. Yeah. Like, straight out of a a sitcom. She's just sort of glowing there while there's glittering music behind her. (laughs) What is the interaction that's happening Mm -hmm. here? We learn from audio communication only that uh, the shuttle is in trouble, and we have the little scene between the chief engineer and Lyndon T. Johnson. And, Leland uh, T. Lynch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and two of the engineers. Oh, they've got those tunics. They've got the tunics that we saw Data and Geordi oh, uh, yes. wearing when they were crawling through the, uh, uh, oh, yeah. the Jeffrey's the, the, tube the, the, the cost the, of living. The dust covers, basically, yeah. Yeah, they're carrying this little tray of crystals. Which looks like a, basically a Himalayan salt crystal. It does. Uh, I wonder what it tastes like. Do you think Do you think it would be safe to lick? Yeah, lithium. I don't know. Probably. Depends. Oh, thanks. Thanks for your permission. Kay said it was okay. 
<laughs> Just don't <laughs> lick them out of alignment. <laughs> oh, and we end this teaser on this downward facing shot of the entire bridge of the Enterprise which just looks fucking weird yeah while everybody's contemplating oh no the, the shuttle has crashed yes it's oh, crashed oh no after the break we get our scene with Leland T. Johnson Lieutenant Commander Leland T. Lynch here sir Lyndon Lyndon whatever you know what you know what I'm talking about Lieutenant Commander Leland T. Lynch Leland T. Lynch Leland T. Lynch here Captain as he never ceases to remind us of every time he is on <laughs> the I comms I think he never appears again I think this is literally <laughs> the only time who does a quick start and they arrive at the planet Worf's studying some console yeah he's basically doing the science console and trying to uh, figure out where the shuttle has crashed uh, it takes him a bit, bit to find it and he can't really see if there are life signs the readings are inconclusive Data can we beam up the injured no sir our sensors are not fully penetrating whatever the debris is Picard asks Riker to put together uh, an away team so he immediately like yeah, grabs the usual suspects all the, yeah. yeah all the bridge officers from their uh, duties. Actually, not really. It's just him, Yar, Data, and Crusher, who volunteers to... Uh, Who's been listening in this whole time? Yeah. Picard I mean, goes, hey, have you been monitoring situation? And she's like, is- yeah, I always listen to bridge radio F- FM. Well, I can imagine that it's like a thing, especially if there's like a, you know, a situation with a shuttlecraft going in a crash that like, you know, it's probably a good thing for the doctor to be on standby. True. Uh, I wonder if like the the entire sort of bridge conversation just gets piped over the speakers for the entire ship to be aware. <laughs> I think it's more like uh, something that uh, what's they use for NASA launches. Oh yeah. Uh, so you've got like all sorts of communication circuits between on main loop. That's what it's called. Oh, I uh, like the sound uh, of that. And uh, that's where basically the the final countdown is held and where the and that's where basically the, that's the primary communication channel. Capcom's on there as well, and every, every side department has its own communications loop but the main loop is um, the thing where uh, yeah all the the Incoming primary stuff transmission okay yeah <laughs> i have really bad news for you I'm, i have a soundboard i noticed yeah. in front of me right now we've finally like I, I bought a little extra module for our recording thing uh-huh. and i can now sort of bluetooth from my phone to the recording <laughs> oh dear and i didn't really prepare it very well i got this idea from it's got star trek yeah one of our fairy pod parents as, as it's been <laughs> described that apparently the joy of trek is the bastard love child of it's got star trek and unplanned trek okay which are excellent but dan from it's got star trek has this most amazing like soundboard that he keeps expanding every episode uh-huh. and I was so envious to try it and then I sort of forgot which I guess sort of tells you the difference okay. between children and parents but now yeah. I typed in the word Star Trek soundboard and here here's some of the buttons that I got on this website on myinstance.com uh-huh. yes yes that's the Grogu yes button okay. not from Star Trek but from the Mandalorian I was gonna say that's <laughs> Yeah, we've got the photon that's torpedo. A lo- that's a lo- noisy one. <laughs> no. Another Grogu one. Yeah. Bad baby. Okay. I don't know what that is. I have one that says, hey, boner. I'm going to skip that one for now. Star Trek opening chime. I wonder what that is. Ah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. It's the original series one. And for some reason... Ace Ventura. Okay. Okay. So, well, I think it might. It, I think you're going to need to do a little, little bit of curating on that. Oh, there's okay. There's one called Star Trek Super Idiot. I really want to press it. Go for it.
Well, that's enough of that, isn't it? Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> Back to serious business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clearly, I should leave this to, to the professionals. Well done, Dan. The warp team, uh, sorry, the away team arrives on... Uh, I believe they will refer to it during production at the beach. Is it? No. It, it, this is one of those it's, standing it's, sets that... Oh, yeah, that yeah but, they, but, but apparently they refer to it as the beach. <sighs> See, I think this is why the episode has such a... It's not widely beloved, mm. right? It's mm. It's... I mean... You did the, the research on that. Right. That, that oh, bore should, out, do right? We want to, do we want to go out and do a little bit of quotes and reviews? Uh, yes, please, actually. Right. Sorry, Zach Handlin for the AV Club gave the episode an overall score of C-, saying that uh, at points the episode just got annoying, especially when Troy was describing Amos's feelings. So that's a, clearly just a Troy hater. I think so, too. Uh, I, I thought it was a very strong Troy episode, actually. She, 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 I did, too. She did, uh, yeah, very much her, not her, like, ooh, I feel something. But no, she was actually properly... Uh, she was uh, dealing uh, with the hostage yeah, taker. She was, yeah, the... she was counselling properly. So, you know, uh, I th- yeah. I thought she did really well. So, Keith, the candido for Tor.com, thought that Yaz's death was pointless, but thought that it was a matter suitable for a security officer in Star Trek. He also mm-hmm. felt that it was one of Troy's better episodes. Oh, here we go, yeah. Yeah. But, that, uh, but Armas fails in every possible way as a villain, and that's entirely on the backs of the people doing the visual effects and the voice casting. Oh, and I, I disagree, but there was a lot of problems with the creature. So the, the pool of oil was basically metamucil, which was dyed with printer ink. Yikes. It must have been really expensive. Yeah. If they used printer ink, but yeah. Huh. And basically it was a dude in the suit. Uh, oh, of course. And they crafted the head in-house, but they had the suit uh, made by a third party. And there was something in that Metamucil that just dissolved the glue that held oh, the wow. suit together. So they ended up having to make three or four of them because they just after a day of filming, it was just completely destroyed. Wow. And one of the shots, at least, is he's standing there with an open back thing because Oh, I hadn't even noticed. No, you can't see, of course, but the, the, the suit was coming apart. But yeah, they literally lowered him in and out of a pool of this goop on a grate. Yeah, uh, which... <sighs> Is not a terribly impressive effect, and it kept getting like hyped every time that it was used yeah. and, and really focused on. Which, if this was a 1960s episode, we'd be charmed by it, or if it was Doctor Who. But like Next Generation already set quite a standard for itself. Mm, true. Coming back to the reviews, uh, Jar's death was included in a list of the top 21 NAF sci-fi deaths by SFX magazine in 2012, yeah. and was also listed by the magazine as a bad example of a someone dies episode again. Missing the point. Yeah. Uh, On a more positive note, uh, in May 2019, The Hollywood Reporter ranked Skin of Evil among the top 25 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Really? Highlighting how hard it was for the crew to lose a crew member. Yeah, that's true. There's a funny bit about that too, but... uh, We'll get there. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, this beach is an unimpressive location. The special effect of this oil slick is also kind of unimpressive, but just imagine if it wasn't. Imagine if it was more visually interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything else is the same, including Armas's voice casting. And if you didn't have the kind of boring, you know, when is this supposed to get interesting? Or am I supposed to be terrified thing yeah. going on with this villain? But instead you're, you're like intimidated and stimulated. Then, holy crap, this is an amazing episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because he's a terrifying villain because he really doesn't make sense. I can see how it works. Like, you know, he's like the evil left behind by these other creatures. Uh, oh, sure, but like he doesn't understand his own motivation. Oh, right. That's what you mean. Yeah. Well, that's what, what makes you correctly identify that the scenes with Troy are so strong. I think maybe this is also why it, it resonated so much with our friend Mark Nixon. Mm, yeah. Um, because I once heard him make the observation that uh, a lot of horror delves into the rules of the supernatural or mm. the psychic or whatever. And yeah. It's all about discovering those rules. And 
as soon as you understand the rules governing whatever, then they stop being scary. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Or at least they stop being yeah. uh, terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because, like, a tiger is scary, but it's a predator in search of food. Like, right. that's not, uh, you can be scared of that, but you shouldn't be, like, it doesn't induce it's not a horror. horror. Right, yeah. Because it doesn't shake the foundations of your existence versus something like this. Yeah, there's really no way to reason with it. There's no way to deal with it. It's even so capricious. Mm. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because <laughs> first we just have to stand around in the sand Oh, there's a puddle of, of goop over here. Let's go around it. Inconclusive, sir. I cannot tell you what it is, but I can tell you what it is not. And, and they slowly, over the course of 25 minutes, walk to the left, <laughs> and it moves to the left as well. Let's try the other way. Some poor CGI there. It appears to be following us, sir. Uh, <laughs> after we've all come back from a nice massage and a cup of tea, they realize, huh, it's just in the way. This is about as mean as I'm going to get about this because <laughs> it doesn't get better and it doesn't get worse. No, fair point. Uh, I mean, after this, conveniently, the pool always returns to the same place where they actually have it. Uh, and that's, I do say the practical effects did look very well. Good. I mean, the alien could, so too, have, yeah. could, could have moved around a little bit more, but I guess, like, you know, when you've got Metamucil dripping down from you. Yuck. Yep. Because they're trying to get to the shuttle which is sort of wedged into a rock. It's got a little fat bum, does that shuttle? Yeah, it's one Look of the that. nacelles is broken off and is lying on the side of it. It's only marked uh, NCC... Sorry, not, not marked NCC, one, only 1701D is what it says on the, uh, on the shuttle. Oh, this probably has a name. Hey, Chief! No, it was only Shuttle 14 or something like that. It okay. wasn't actually named. Uh, Stand down, Chief. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Saved by the bell. We have a, a long discussion about what it is and isn't. Yeah. There's according like to data. A little bit of scientific, well, nothing. Data literally says, well, we can tell what it's not. It doesn't have any internal organs. It doesn't have any, uh, like, unrealized cell structure. Yeah, no uh, proteins that we recognize. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so carbon, silicon, yeah. hydrocarbons. Yeah. What, are we, what are we sort of dealing with? Like, is it anything detectable? And it rises up into this goopy monster and addresses them and yep unimpressive unterrifying but it identifies itself as Armus mm -hmm. and it immediately starts essentially bullying yeah. our crew we mean you no harm we have injured crewmen in the shuttlecraft we need to get to them may we pass you haven't given me a good enough reason and yeah, he's very belligerent about it, especially when you ask, like, why they need to help. And like, well, we've had you all life. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting argument. I disagree. Yes, exactly. I, disagree. <laughs> I love the voice casting for Armas. Yeah, I do. He, he sounds a bit stupid, right? He sounds a bit a little dim. Bit, yeah. So you're never quite sure, like, how much is sincere and how much he actually isn't processing. You never quite know whether he's being extremely clever and manipulative. Right. Uh, or and, if and he's just a asking. little bit dumb and, uh, yeah. Yeah, at which point his innocence is real and yeah. faded. It makes him really, really interesting. Yar decides, like, well, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to walk around and... We have people who need attention. We won't hurt you, but we must help them. She gets blasted by some sort of energy blast, I suppose. Yeah, there's some sort of, well quite a substantial amount of energy that knocks the security officer off her feet. Yeah. Riker and Data immediately grab their dustbusters and try to phase her armors, which does nothing. No. In fact, Data comments that it seems to strengthen him. <laughs> Data even sort of looks at his face and looks, oh, oh that didn't work. Did I forget to charge it this morning? <laughs> <laughs> and contrary to everyone's expectations, 
Yar dies. Yeah. Just straight up, she's not alive. It's worse than that. She's dead, Jean-Luc. Dr. Crusher, report. She's dead. After reporting back to the bridge, the away team is beamed back. No emergency transports directly to sickbay. Where, okay, Yar is lying flat on the ground with Beverly kneeling over her. Yeah. And she says, we need to get her to sickbay. And she bends her patient in half, sort of flops her toward Data, like, you deal with this well, now. she's already dead. It's like, not really. I know, but it's it's a patient. She hasn't called time of death or, no. like, you know, she's unresponsive or whatever, but, like, no neck brace or whatever. She's just thrown across a canyon. Fair. And, yeah, Data carries her to sickbay, presumably. We don't actually see that, where she is... Uh, Stabilized, or at least put the cortical stimulators and everything. Yeah, Riker and Data are there, and they, they see the sort of meters going up. And oh, Riker goes, oh, that's it. good news, isn't it? No, I've got her on total support. There is no independent brain functioning. This is all filmed in uh, handheld, I noticed. It's got a very oh, yeah. sort of ER vibe to mm. it. And even though, like, nothing is particularly visually interesting, everyone is super into it. Yeah, everybody's standing around being very tense and concerned. And you really get that. Oh, yeah. Even though, like, the little amount of blood and the jolts that, they, that she's getting. Oh, yeah, you also mentioned this actor who plays this nurse. At first he thought he was the same guy that was uh, Leland T. Lynch. Did, no. did you just swap shirts? <laughs> no, it's not. I think it is nurse... What's his name? I wrote it down somewhere. There's also another nurse with grey hair. Oh, yes. You don't right. see that very often in, uh, in yeah. Star Trek. Just, uh, uh, just Brad Zerbst. Yeah, there we go. As a nurse. He really made an impact on... Well, that... That grey-haired woman, like, I don't know if it's a wig, but I kind of like seeing that kind of age diversity mm. because you don't get that a lot. Well, you got Picard. With junior officers in particular. Yeah. Like, I remember when Picard got his It's a Wonderful Life episode, you know, Tapestry, when he was shown an alternate life path. Yeah. That he was just, like, a, a lower-ranking yeah, scientist. A, a blue shirt, yeah. It was kind of weird to see an older man not in a position of power. Well, I guess that Starfleet doesn't have an up-or-out policy. Oh, yes. I believe that you're kind of required to earn a promotion every, like, three years. And otherwise, you know, if your career stalls, yeah. then you're yeah. invited to no longer burden this organization <laughs> exactly. with your mediocrity. Something like that, yeah. Yikes. We get our first shot of, well, the shuttle being enveloped by the oil, which... It does kind of look cool. Like, it looks really cool once it's on there. Once it's on there, when, yes. When it's moving, it just looks like a black blob crawling across the screen. Poor 3D effect, but, you know, it's... You know, if we could do a recut of this with just, like, replace those shots with something visually interesting, yeah. this would be a breathtaking episode. Oh, yes. Even the next one, which is kind of, I mean, Deanna is just sort of sitting there in a ruined shuttle pod lit by pulsating red light, having a conversation with a tormentor, mm. with a captor, and she's sort of treating it like a hostage crisis. Oh, yes, immediately. Yeah. Your friends have deserted you. They're not coming back. You're wrong. I killed one of them. Also notice that, like, at no point does she have any interest in the well-being of the pilot who was... I know! He's, he's, like, just off-screen. <laughs> he's just slumped over the console the entire time. He doesn't get mentioned at all, even until Picard shows up in the shuttle yeah, later on. Yeah, and then the camera pans to the side. Oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he's still there. Multiple yeah. spinal fractures. <laughs> maybe she's injured as well. Like, maybe she's got a broken leg or she's just unable to move. Yeah. But or maybe she's got a really bad case of the f***its. I mean, I can relate. Like, oh, uh, yeah. I just, I'm so tired from the conference, and now I've got to do hostage negotiation. It sucks. 
Yes, I wasn't planning on taking that new course that I took in host negation into practice immediately. <laughs> you have a great need. I need nothing. Liar. Boom! Pleads with him to end it. And uh, yeah, she tells him that basically you're not going to get from them what you want. They're not going to entertain you. You're not going to break their spirits. She's really might, ahead of a curve. You, you might, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She understands his needs and motivations before he can, uh, uh, yeah. can articulate them. And she refuses all of his lies. You know, unlike us, Armas is a, is a, is a pretty inscrutable character to mm. us from the outside, but she has an extra channel of information. She can actually feel when he's being untruthful about himself. Yeah. On the Enterprise there in the ready room, there's a little bit of... Everyone's talking over each other, yep. doing their various Yelp reviews of Tasha Yar's death. <laughs> yes. Until uh, Picard calls him to order. He tells... just taps on the table. Yep. Like... Lieutenant Yar's death is very painful for all of us. We will have to deal with it as best we can for now. Until the shuttle crew is safely beamed aboard this ship, our feelings will have to wait. Is that understood? Worf is promoted to acting tactical officer. Uh, security officer. Pardon me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting seeing Worf in his season one appearance. Yeah. You know, with his gold cloth bandolier. He had different forehead ridges at this point. Oh, they're, they're really kind of yeah. plain. Yeah. They don't have the sort of triangular shape that's uh, so distinctive for him. Later. Yeah, I guess that they were still like going into the uh, yeah. This is what Klingons look like now thing. Yeah. Mm. Riker gets told to prepare an away team and uh, tells Worf to come along, and Worf goes like, "Nope." Which I thought was really interesting, because yes, Worf immediately first his first act as a, uh, a security officer is to defy the XO. And <laughs> well, it's his responsibility uh. to to make that determination. Like when Riker turns around, expecting him to follow, he even like his first instinct is to rise up, and then he thinks about it. He yeah. looks at Picard, and he sort of goes, "No, yeah. clearly you are not in need of a fighter." We saw that when Yar died. Like, we, yeah. don't, we don't need another fighter down there. So I think I can serve the situation best by staying on the bridge from the tactical station. Yep. Because he understands what the mission is. And, yep. and, and Picard, in Agreed. a very rare show of support for Worf, <laughs> actually agrees. <laughs> the object here is not to engage the creature in battle. The goal is the safe return of Councilor Troy and Lieutenant Prieto. I can best accomplish this at the tactical station. Oh, I'm trying so hard to imagine it being a, a more interesting environment or, like, imagine him moving to different places. Imagine if Armas was, like, a giant sort of crab creature or, like, <laughs> I don't know, a swarm of beetles, just anything. It starts, however, with Armas talking to Diana again. Yes. And there's an interesting discussion where she's like... They care for you. You must be very special. We are members of a community. We all care for one another. Equally. And she dodges that question. Yes. <laughs> she does. Because she knows it's a trick. Yeah. Right? He's toying with her. He's trying to open up some, some avenue of torment to find a favorite, you know, does yep. a parent have a favorite child or whatever? But she identifies instead his weakness, which is abandonment. Yeah. Surprised that the crew didn't abandon them. And she gets the opening to explore, like, hey, the others abandoned you. Like, who are you waiting for? And then Armas says, I will tell you nothing. And she says, Not now. But soon. Wow! <laughs> yeah. Wow! What a power move. You will, yeah, absolutely. She is working him hard. Because she understands she has power in this situation. Like, mm. he could kill her, he can kill everybody else. But there's nothing she can do about that anyway. Exactly. And that's what, what everybody comes to, that conclusion, everybody comes very quickly. 
Data especially elegantly, just a moment from now, where Armas sort of controls him. Yes. Because first he uh, uh, zaps Jordy's visor off Away. his head. Yeah. And in a scene that I don't know if it was meant to be sort of evocative of Velma from it the does, Scooby Gang. It does feel a bit like that, yes. Feeling around for her glasses. like yeah. I mean, this happens with some regularity that Geordie loses his visor and he's left on his knees groping around for it. There are several other situations where that occurs. Yeah, you'd expect it to have like a little beeper, like you snap your fingers twice right. oh, or you tap yeah. your comms good, badge. Good idea, yeah. I mean, we have these smartwatches that are capable of absolutely amazing things, but a lot of the time I use it to make my phone beep so I can find my <laughs> phone. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's one of, the, one of the primary functions, that and using it as a kitchen timer. That's yes, like, that's yes. A, but uh, yes, uh, he uh, basically torments Geordie, or actually Data, or maybe both of them, because he tells the Data not to help him. Data gives Geordie advice on where the visor is anyway, and Armas moves it. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Aren't you going to lead him to his sight again, robot? No. He will just move it again, and I will not help you hurt him. The next person he torments is <clears throat> Riker. Oh, uh, is it? Yeah, because after a discussion with Iana, where, let me see... Actually, we've missed the part where, uh, oh, where yes. Beverly is allowed to talk to Troy over the communicator. Yeah. They get to basically uh, First, find she's given out. permission to yep. go there. She starts to walk, and then, and then Armour like, says, oh, no, I change, change my mind. mind. Yep. Again, a little bit Terrifying. of... Terrifying. Yeah, a little bit of taunting, yeah. What uh, do you think, actually? Did he just change his mind, or did he... I don't think so. I think he just, like, did it as a tease. Like, oh, like, oh yeah, you can go there. Oh, no, you can't. See... I think the other way, and it doesn't uh, matter, both ways are yeah. incredibly effective. Also, Beverly does not ask about the pilot. Like she oh, only wow. t- she only talks to Troy and like how are you? It's like she does not mention him at all. Wow, poor Ben. <laughs> yeah. Poor, well, he's, un- uh, he's unconscious anyway. Prieto. Well, that, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. That's when we got to the scene with the visor and then later on uh, yes. Oh actually he he retreats to talk to Troy again. Yeah, and then unfolds from the shuttle. And Bitching a little bit, that like, oh, they're not entertaining me. Mm, boo, boo. And, and this is where she uh, starts putting on a little bit of sympathy, which is not met with a lot of grace. Your pity? Save that for yourself. And he acts out, immaturely, I think. Yeah, by flying back and grabbing Riker. Yeah, and what Mark Nixon mentioned, being dragged by an invisible force, like Riker being this absolute stud yeah. who's, like, screaming for help, dragging furrows in the sand mm. while he's being dragged away by an invisible force. Nice ass on Oh yes, uh, uh, Frakes. Jonathan Frakes yeah. there. And he sinks into the goop. Data! Data, something's got me! Yep, he gets pulled in. We briefly see his face coming up out of the goop for a moment, his mouth spread open in terror. That was actually a plaster cast of Jonathan Frakes' face, the which, they, <laughs> which they used for that, <laughs> which they lowered and uh, raised on the same grid that the actor who played the monster was standing on. Right, well done. Worf and Wesley are, meanwhile, analysing the patterns in the shield intensity, because they've noticed yeah. that whenever it is on the shuttle that the strength of the shield is the lowest... And when it's doing something violent, then it's at its strongest. It's very effective graphic. Yes, absolutely. Unlike the repeated flowing back and forth of the oil, which is... Well, Well, dated. Let's put it like that. It does make you wonder, though, where physically is Riker right now? Yeah. In the goop? I guess. Yeah. 
Like, is he sort of liquefied? Yeah. I mean, Armour's just kind of into it. Like, oh, he resists. You should feel his strength. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is good. And she says, I have repeatedly. Oh, no, she says, "Uh, I can. I can feel his. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very familiar with my Emzadi's resistance. (laughs) Ah, yes. Should I let it go? You only asked to torment me. Perhaps. How should I answer? What can I offer except myself? And would you give yourself for him? Would you give that much? Just for him? No, I would do it for anybody. Really exposing his... I mean, it's kind of an... Is it an inferiority complex or is it like abandonment? Like, he must be wondering what was wrong with him. Right. You know, why, yeah. why he wasn't wanted. Well, um, he knows that. Yeah, yeah there, I mean, there's, there's knowing and knowing. Ah, uh, fair. Right? He's got these objective reasons, but mm. he still wants to be part of, uh, right. of something and, and can't well, have that. He seems to want to go and torment those people who left him behind. I guess it's more of a revenge thing that he's got going that would be more in character with his uh, nature yeah. than uh, any real desire to, well, maybe to... Part I mean, of hey, again. Yeah. assuming that any of this is true, right? Right. This is his interpretation because he mentioned yeah. that there are these beings who perfected a way to separate everything that was evil and destructive about themselves yes. and shed it like a skin. And they sort of left him behind and then they went off and they were creatures of magnificent beauty and breathtaking yes. goodness. And they just left, yeah, him behind as some, some junk. Now, that's not how minds work. No, not usually, but it's fairly uh, metaphysical, I guess. It's really interesting how often Armus responds with sort of obfuscated answers. Maybe, perhaps, revealing that either he doesn't really have a plan and he's sort of winging it, so he wants some input before he can decide on something. Oh, yes, clearly. Because he can't even seem to, like, have feelings without this kind of input, and that's why I think he's so fascinated by Troy. He he constantly, he wishes to be entertained. He wishes to be amused. He He wants them to dance to his tune. yeah. Uh, to have that sort of power. As yeah. Just a bit of goop that goes back and forth. And so Picard is now beamed down. Yep. And he's decided on a different tactic, which is to not acknowledge Armus's power. Yep. And to go straight for his weakness. Armus decides to demonstrate more of his power, and this right. time, now he's taking over Data. Well, at first, there's like, Picard asks if Riker's alive, and Armus tells Data to re-answer him. I would guess that death is no longer sufficient to alleviate its boredom. Therefore, Commander Riker is alive. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> those, I'm not those, saying. Those equivocations. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> Data suddenly raises his hand and goes, oh, that's curious, and puts his phaser in there. Look, like, oh, ooh, what's happening now? Yeah. And in a very sort of jerky, jolty fashion, points at Beverly, then at Picard. Then at Geordie. And Armus asks Data, like, how will you feel if I make you do this, yeah. if you're the instrument of the destruction and of And Data's like, well, I'm not doing it. You're... Yeah. <laughs> he's the, completely the wrong person to ask this. Well, that's true, But it's too, yeah. so cool to see this about him because, yeah. yeah, he's completely right. Yes. It's like, yeah, I'm like, sorry, I'm, I'm just holding the thing. It's like, you're, I'm not doing anything. It's... And it's a very common, like, hostage-taker strategy. Mm. You know, their blood will be on your hands. Yeah. No, it's not. No, no. You're never responsible for someone else's actions. It's... <laughs> exactly. And what about you, Doctor? Are you ready to die? Tell me you are not afraid. I am afraid. Beg me to spare you. No. 
not doing that. Yep. And that's actually the same thing that Diana did earlier. It's yes, like, yes, I'll give exactly. my life for everything. And she literally does that as well. It's like, one of you is going to die. Well, okay, me. Yep. And he goes, no, 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 it's going to be someone else. You can't choose yourself. <laughs> and they're just completely unimpressed. And Picard sort of exposes the power that he has. I can kill them. Yes, you can. But only I can command them. They follow my orders. Data gets a beautiful scathing comment in. It's like, like, hmm, no redeeming qualities. (laughs) Uh, Yep. And objectively, oh. I think you should be destroyed. Yes. Yeah. I think you should be absolutely annihilated and it should be painful. It should be slow. (laughs) Riker is regurgitated. Yeah. They throw him out there and get some of the goop wiped from his face. Ugh. Apparently he was like lying around set between takes, like covered in the stuff. <laughs> just, just, just living life. <laughs> hey, Jonathan, how was your day? Well, yeah, well uh, <laughs> lots of printing to Metamucil. <laughs> oh, how did you respond to this? I just let it happen, man. I just sort yeah. of lie back, and he's got an interesting line where he says, "So much frustration, it had to get rid of me." Like his presence was actually bothering Armas, mm. which doesn't get like commented on. It's a plot thread that, yeah, I mean. Is it abandoned? It might have been just Riker's sort of defense. Could you be. Know, his, yeah. his interpretation of a traumatizing experience was terrifying. Picard goes like, okay, this is over. No, we're not going to entertain you anymore. They are going to leave. And this is where he started to like, gain the upper hand of Amos a little bit because he started yeah. to take control of the situation. And Picard the- gets to really Picard, as Mark said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Armas uh, agrees that uh, they may leave, which they immediately do. They get beamed out. Just noticing the the sort of transporter effect mm. is also reflected in the goop. Oh, very good. Yes. Yeah, very good. The post-production department did a great job on that. And it turns out that basically what he wants is to leave. Basically, Picard starts negotiating. How are we going to resolve this situation? Yeah. It's like, we're not going to dance to your tune. He says, I want to leave. I want to... Yeah. Well, I, I could do that, he says. He doesn't grant it, but... Uh, Eventually, Picard wins the battle for compromise. Right. Uh, so because he well. insists on yeah. seeing his people. Yeah. Here we see uh, Lieutenant slumped over the console. Again, yeah. he immediately goes to Beverly first, not to the guy to, who to is Diana. Like, clearly. Oh, sorry, good Diana, yes. Yeah, he doesn't even notice Ben. He just goes straight for Diana. She has to point out, oh, no, no, remember, just off okay? screen. Yeah. I'm, turn, turn slightly yeah. to the oh, left. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, he's There's, alive. Oh, that's all right then. But <laughs> Which he detects by, like, touching the man's yes. head and, like, pulling on a nostril <laughs> now. He seems to be fine. Let's worry about you. Were you able to help Tasha? No. And this is where they have the conversation where they basically discuss their tactic when he might as well be just, like, having one of these, like, tentacle pods up, up against the side of the shuttle. <laughs> just, just, like, cut to the side, to the side of the side <laughs> listening, listening in. The creature is filled with rage. Undirected unfocused rage. When he confronts it, his guard goes down because he's feeling it instead of suppressing it. They're going to, like, goad him into a frenzy and use that to uh, beam them out when possible. There's some really sort of high-minded Star Trek captain talk here. Yeah. Picard says that you feel unworthy and that humans are puny and weak. Oh, but our spirit is indomitable! Yes. Oh, yeah, he really does a little bit of traditional stage acting there. You can tell him him like he's like channeling King Lear or something. Great poet once said, all spirits are enslaved that serve things evil. 
Did you recognise that quote? No, I have no idea. I don't know. Chief, don't look it up. Be honest now. Did you know? <laughs> so before looking up, I don't recognise the quote, but I can't let this lie. My guess is Tennyson, but I'm not positive. It feels like a Tennyson quote to me, but I'm going to look it up now. Ah, damn, it wasn't Tennyson, it was Percy Shelley. Okay, they're fairly contemporary of each other, so I'm decently happy with myself and my guess. Okay. Well, Appreciate the honesty. Yes. And yeah, he just like sits and has a little chat with him. He's like, oh, God, like how long have you been here? He's like, oh, this must be a terribly long time for you to be all alone. This is one of those wild stories that they were still doing in the early season of Next Generation where you could have, like, these were titans. These were Im- immensely powerful aliens. Yes. Like, the universe is far stranger than you can imagine. And sometimes you find just leftover bits of essentially magic that's unimaginable now. And this is one of those just detritus of divinity that they still used to bump into every now and again. The Tacon Empire, the last outpost, mm. that sort of wild storytelling that kind of went away in a more humanist and scientific fashion. Yeah. Jean-Luc commissary is like, it's a long time to be alone, and <laughs> Armas is like, save your compassion, it's revolting. You offer it like a prize when in fact it's an insult. And that's when Picard starts to like, yeah, get into it. Like, Yeah. This is where he makes the indomitable comment. And, uh, because he's got... Armas is actually now getting what he wants. He thinks he's getting what he wants. Yes. You know, that attention that he craves. God, that's what this is. I'm, I'm thinking about your cat over there who's pretending to snooze comfortably in the cage that we have to put her in Otherwise whenever she, we record because yes. she's a little terror. <laughs> yeah. Bless her heart. She goes dangling on every cable which is within reach. <laughs> there are times when she just really wants attention. It's not enough to, to have, you know, to play. Yeah. She wants someone to play with, someone to react yeah, to her, yeah. as all of us do. And, like, Armas is just having the best time that he's had in possibly millennia. Although, in doing so, he's being tricked into uh, yeah, revealing more about himself and getting him in the right uh, mindset for him um, to uh, lower the power of his shield. I am a skin of evil, left here by a race of titans who believed if they rid themselves of me, they would free the bonds of destructiveness. So here you are, all alone by your onesie, believing your own lies. Yeah. And... Armas just loses it, yeah. which I can imagine some people might not be very impressed with that as a resolution. Meanwhile, we cut back to the bridge and they're counting down yeah, the, the micro the, volts or whatever until... Uh, the, the, the shield strength, yes. ...is weak enough to beam them out. But seeing someone who holds this power just collapse under the weight of his own trauma yeah. is fucking amazing, yeah. honestly. And uh, Picard basically delivers the death blow by saying, I'll tell you what true evil is, it is to submit to you. I'm not taking you anywhere. And he's gone. And, I mean, yes. these chiefs look pathetic because <laughs> it's just this goopy guy with the text roaring over it, but my <laughs> yes. goodness, that no. was incredible. He drives the knife a little deeper. That's your real fear, to never to die, to never again be united with those who left you here, and more roaring, and yeah. But it works. And the- this entire planet, about which very little was known in the library computer, is now marked as <laughs> Interdic- off limits to everyone. Interdicted. <laughs> I wonder how that, like, works. Like, what stops, like, the Ferengi from breaking quarantine and going, oh, I wonder what this is? Nothing. Someone's hiding it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, someone's hiding I'm it. Pretty it sure, I'm pretty sure there's episodes about that. Exactly <laughs> that happening. And as the Enterprise orbits this planet, hopefully with now properly installed and checked uh, dilithium yeah. crystals, there's another duty for Picard to attend to. We're here together to honour our friend and comrade, 
Lieutenant Natasha Yar. There was an interesting bit of trivia about that, like written here. Like, there was a meanwhile a need for the cast to try to avoid becoming maudlin about the situation and instead maintain a sense of levity during production. As Jonathan Frakes oh. later recalled, there was a particularly memorable lightheaded moment on the set while shooting the final holodeck scene for Yar's funeral. Patrick Stewart jokingly uh, lightened everybody's mood by singing The Hills Are Alive uh, from the music, the sound, ah. the sound of music, <laughs> as they were walking up the grassy knoll. <laughs> it does look like Teletubby Land, it does doesn't look, it? It looks like Windows 95 uh, screens. Uh, sorry, background. <laughs> That's yes. background. Yes. And she left them a message. Yes. She has something to say to everyone. Scarecrow, you're the smartest man I've yeah. ever met. And you, <laughs> Tin Man, you have the biggest heart. Little encouraging words to Wesley. Uh, I want to make a lot of jokes. Yeah. But it's a genuinely awesome scene. Oh, absolutely. Yes. But just imagine recording this. Oh, yes. Like, I wonder if that's what's going through all their heads. You know, they're required to update their sort of sentimental uh, uh-huh. recording for everyone every month per Starfleet protocol. <sighs> and they're sort of judging, like, oh, she's done a much better job than I have. I really should update mine and be more sincere. Yeah. Oh, well, she's doing one for Wesley. I forgot Wesley in mine. <laughs> <laughs> the one that really got me was the last one that she said, like, uh, when she closed it, like, hailing frequencies closed, sir. That one really... Oh, oh my God, God. That, like, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> I was that in... one had me tearing up. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. I wasn't prepared for that. No. And then we get a close-up of Picard, who... Because this is season one, and he was still French then. Oh, yes. Says, au revoir, Natasha. Yeah, yeah. And declares, this gathering is concluded. Yep. And, and everyone files out. Except Data, who, like, he's curious, because, like, he, he, he gets the feeling that he didn't quite get it. Yeah. Because uh. this was about Tasha, but he's thinking about himself. I keep thinking, how empty it will be without her presence. Did I miss the point? No, you didn't, Data. You got it. Yeah, that's why we do these things. Like, funerals are for the living. Absolutely, yeah. It's a really beautiful ending. It is. Now, let's f*** with it a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Getting into into our deleted scene. Because in the deleted scenes, a little segment that we do where we like to imagine, like, what might have been left on the cutting room floor of this episode? Yeah. Seven hours of Tasha Yar doing testimonials for every one of the crew members of the uh, uh, Enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) Every time there's a new crew rotation, you've got to make sure that they're all in there. (laughs) I sort of imagined, like, what it would be like if she happened to also mention, like... Jordy, oh no, Jordy yeah, is does. there. Oh, yeah. oh, the whole, oh, the whole is crew yeah, is yeah, there. The whole, the whole is there anyone here? The whole core crew is mentioned and is there. Yeah, yeah. Like one of two things happens: either she doesn't mention someone, yeah. like maybe she just doesn't mention Jordy, yeah. and he's just uh, standing like, there. What the f- is this a racist or ableist thing? <laughs> what the hell was? Did you did you just forget that I was here? Well, to be honest, I mean, you know, they decided who was going to be here depending on who was being mentioned in the. Uh, because it's kind of like, you know, no, 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 no. The Picard's like, Picard checked out the text of the message beforehand and like, and they're like, well, okay, who do, I need, who do I need to invite? Oh, no, like, we're not in. Oh, wow. Yeah, quite a snub. Oh, no, 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 no. Here's what I want. The other one is that she also mentions, like, she has a really heartfelt speech for Leland T. Lynch. And then Picard right. goes, oh, f- I should have invited Lee. Oh, Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, everybody stands there looking around, like, where is he? It's like, who? Did anybody invite him? And it's. <laughs> also, who's, who is this? This guy. All right. So we were looking for segments, I believe. Oh, you can have an idea. I, I think I have an idea. It's like it's like who is wearing the boots of conclusion jumping in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would say Picard, mm-hmm. because immediately when uh, they start discussing the shield strength, is it's like. When, well, whenever it's covering the shuttle, the field strength is lower. And he immediately goes, oh, it's because of Diana. Like, completely, yeah. he doesn't have any information yet at that point about what's going on with the emotional status of the creature or anything. Like, no, it's immediately it's Diana. It's not the reactor, the warp reactor from the, yeah. uh, from the shuttle or anything. No, it immediately goes to Diana. I think it's an even bigger conclusion to jump to that your rapidly installed dilithium crystals can handle warp eight without any consultation. <laughs> well, you know, I'm like, you heard me. It's like warp eight. <laughs> like, okay. But you have literally a school on your bus. Yes. <laughs> like, is it not a parent teacher conference? Like every other week going like. How many did we lose? How many? How many? No, just. To, how badly were we endangered yes. this week? <laughs> like, what sort of decisions were made? You know, oh, guys, no, this is a death trap. This is not going to keep going well. Yes. How many time loops did we get caught in this time round? Right. Or uh, it's the queue or it's the, the Borg or whatever. We have got to get off this goddamn ship. I mean, it's not a warship. No, it's of course. Flag, but he is awfully willing. Fleet. Oh, yes. You know, everyone on this ship is willing to sacrifice themselves to stop this evil. And you sort of imagine, you know, the crash go, wait, hold on. I've got like... Eight babies here who definitely don't consent <laughs> to being uh, on board. No, yeah, but their parents not can. Really possible. Oh, yeah, that's even better. Yeah, well, you know, that's the parents want to be on the enterprise. You know, they, they'll take the risk. I mean, people take their kids to risk into risky situations because of their jobs. That's not unheard of. No, that's true. Tr- that's uh, true. That's true. And you do get to see an awful lot of cool shit. Yes. So, do no, we, hang on, yeah. hang on. I like your segment, the boots of conclusion jumping. The boots of conclusion jumping, I think, belong to Tasha Yar okay. for calling the manner of her death. Yes. You know, if you're seeing this, <laughs> then I probably died in the line of duty. I mean, it makes sense. And it was probably quick. At there least I some, hope so. <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say. And not just that I, you know, had some food that disagreed with me and a, a toilet adventure tried, that lasted I, six hours and I, I popped my brain. I tried to pick up a little fuzzy plant thing and it stung me and then I... Right. Yeah, exactly. Or just uh, I lost control during the mixed martial arts contest. And yes. Oh, that would have been unfortunate, yes. But then again, the whole holodeck collapsing that down That is on usually top of dealt within the realms of medicine that they can deal with, you know? Like, yeah. People rarely die because medicine is so good and because, you know, then you have to replace the actor or the character. Yeah, yeah that's true. There's that. So, let's see. Are we going to talk about next week's episode oh yes yeah do you have clues for me because i have you, clues for you you got the pick at this time oh yes. that's awesome all right okay drum roll so do you yeah. want the do you want the series or do you want to just uh it's somewhat given away by the first quote all right then just lay right. it on me so this okay. is about these are quotes from from next week's episode and we're yes. going to guess together oh this is awesome all right so first one is captain pike so that happened so that happened. Okay, so, well, if it's Captain Pike saying it, then that's limited to, well, three series, technically. Strange New Worlds, Discovery uh-huh. Season 2, and Short Treks. Yeah. So that happened. All right, all right. Can you give me another one? Yep. Mr. Spock, you explained that very well. I almost understood it. Ooh. Said by Kirk. By, oh, okay, okay. I see you hedging there, because there's more than one Kirk in the universe, isn't there? <laughs> Explain. I'm going to even guess that that was Samuel Kirk. Uh, okay, let's find that. You got, not, you got not, another one? Uh, yeah, the last one is... It's, it's actually three together. So, so what's next? More improbability? Or we'll just suddenly poof into bunnies? I would prefer not to be a bunny either. I doubt we'll be bunnies. Wait. Whoa. Whoa. I have no idea what this is. That was La'an, Menga, and Spock saying those three things. Puffing into bunnies? Improbability? 
Wait, is this the crossover episode? No, it's not. Oh, is this the musical episode? <laughs> yes, it oh, is. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you hit that really well. Because, I mean, you made a very wise choice not to use quotes from any of the songs, of which not. <laughs> play rent free in all of our heads. Oh, this is awesome. Well, Greg, do you hear this? Next week we're doing Strange New World Season 2, Episode 9, uh, uh, Subspace Rhapsody. Did That's I get that right? Yes, very good. See? Rent free <laughs> in my head. Absolutely. Uh, Beverly? With, yep, I'm leaving Starfleet. And, 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 and guys. That's the one. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode with friends Kay and Kaki, production and editing by Chief Engineer Greg, and music by Fox Amour. Join us next time for Stranger Worlds Season 2, Episode 9, Subspace Rhapsody. Visit drivetrek.com slash links to send us your recommendations, support us on Patreon, or to find us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to The Joy of Trek, and we'll see you out there.